0: Chapter 8. Now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence, and that there is no God but one. For although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. However, not all possess this knowledge. But some, through former association with idols, eat food as really offered to an idol, the brother for whom christ died thus sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak you sin against christ therefore if food makes my brother stumble i will never eat meat lest i make my brother stumble
1: 1 corinthians chapter 8 B. Concerning Eating Meats Offered to Idols, 8 verse 1 to 11 verse 1 The question of eating meat offered to idols is taken up in 8 verse 1 to 11 verse 1, a real problem to those recently converted to Christ from heathenism. Perhaps they would be invited to a social event at a temple where a great feast would be spread with meat previously offered to idols. Or perhaps they would go to the market to buy meat and find that the butcher was selling meat that had been offered to idols. This would not affect the quality of the meat, of course, but should a Christian buy it? In another scenario, a believer might be invited to a home and be served food that had been offered up to some idol deity. If he knew that this had been the case, should he partake of the food? Paul addresses himself to these questions. 8 verse 1, the apostle begins by stating that concerning things offered to idols, both the Corinthians and he himself had knowledge. It was not a subject about which they were completely ignorant. They all knew, for instance, that the mere act of offering a piece of meat to an idol had not changed it in any sense. Its flavor and nutritional value remained the same. However, Paul points out that knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. By this he means that knowledge in itself is not a sufficient guide in these matters. If knowledge were the only principle that were applied, then it might lead to pride. Actually in all such matters the Christian must use not only knowledge, but also love. He must not only consider what is lawful for himself, but what would be best for others. 8 verses 2, 3, Vine paraphrases verse 2 as follows, If a man imagines he has fully acquired knowledge, he has not even begun to know how it ought to be gained. Without love there can be no true knowledge. On the other hand, if anyone loves God, this one is known by him in the sense that God approves him. In one sense, of course, God knows everybody, and in another sense, He knows especially those who are believers. But here the word know is used to denote favor or approval. If anyone makes his decisions in such matters as meats offered to idols out of love to God and man and not out of mere knowledge, that person wins the smile of God's approval. 8 verse 4 As far as things offered to idols are concerned, believers understand that an idol is not a real God with power, knowledge, and love. Paul was not denying the existence of idols themselves, he knew that there were such things as images carved out of wood or stone. Later on he acknowledges that behind these idols there are demon powers. But what he emphasizes here is that the gods which these idols purport to represent do not exist. There is no other god but one, that is, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 8 verse 5, Paul admits that there were many so-called gods in heathen mythology, such as Jupiter, Juno, and Mercury. Some of these gods were supposed to live in heaven, and others, such as Ceres and Neptune, here on earth. In this sense there are many gods and many lords, that is, mythological beings which people worshipped and were in bondage to. 8 verse 6, Believers know that there is one true God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we for him. This means that God, our Father, is the source or creator of all things and that we were created for him. In other words, he is the purpose or goal of our existence. We also know that there is one Lord, namely Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we live. The expression through whom are all things describes the Lord Jesus as the mediator or agent of God, whereas the expression through whom we live indicates that it is through him that we have been created and redeemed. When Paul says that there is one God, the Father, and one Lord Jesus Christ, he does not mean that the Lord Jesus Christ is not God. Rather he simply indicates the respective roles which these two persons of the Godhead fulfilled in creation and in redemption. 8 verse 7, however, not all Christians, especially new converts, understand the liberty which they have in Christ Jesus. Having come from backgrounds of idolatry and being used to idols, They think they are committing idolatry when they eat meat that has been offered to an idol. They think that the idol is a reality and therefore their conscience, being weak, is defiled. The expression weak here does not mean physically weak or even spiritually weak. It is a term describing those who are unduly scrupulous in matters of moral indifference. For instance, as far as God is concerned, it is not wrong for a believer to eat pork. It would have been wrong for a Jew to do so in the OT but a Christian is at perfect liberty to partake of such food. However, a Jew converted to Christianity might still have scruples about this. He might feel that it is wrong to eat a roast pork dinner. He is what the Bible calls a weak brother. It means that he is not living in the full enjoyment of his Christian liberty. Actually, as long as he thinks that it is wrong to eat pork, he would sin if he went ahead and did it. That is what is meant by the expression their conscience, being weak, is defiled. If my conscience condemns a certain act and I go ahead and commit it, then I have sinned. Whatever is not from faith is sin, Romans 14 verse 23. 8 verse 8, Food in itself is not a matter of great consequence to God. Refraining from certain foods does not give us favor with God, nor does partaking of such foods make us better Christians. 8 verse 9, but although there is nothing to gain by eating these foods, there might be much to lose if, in so doing, I cause a weak Christian to stumble. This is where the principle of love must come in. A Christian has liberty to eat meat that has been previously offered in sacrifice to idols, but it would be utterly wrong for him to eat if in so doing he offends a weak brother or sister. Eight verse ten. The danger is that the weak brother might be encouraged to do what his conscience condemns if he sees another doing something which to him is questionable. In this verse, the apostle condemns eating in an idol's temple because of the effect it would have on others. Of course, when Paul speaks here of eating in an idol's temple, he is referring to some social event or some general celebration, such as a wedding. It would never be right to eat in such a temple if the meal involved participation in idol worship in any way. Paul later condemns that, 10 verses 15 to 26. The expression for if anyone sees you who have knowledge means if anybody sees you, who have a full measure of Christian liberty, who know that meat offered to idols is not unclean or impure, etc. The important principle here is that we must not only consider what effect such an action would have on ourselves, but even more important, what effect it would have on others. 8 verse 11 A man may so parade his knowledge of what is legitimate for a Christian as to cause a brother in Christ to stumble. The word perish does not mean that he would lose his eternal salvation. It means not the loss of being but the loss of well-being. This weak brother's testimony would be hurt and his life would be adversely affected as far as usefulness for God is concerned. The tremendous seriousness of so offending a weak brother in Christ is indicated by the words for whom Christ died. Paul's argument is that if the Lord Jesus Christ loved this man so much that he was willing to die for him, We should not dare to hinder his spiritual progress by doing anything that would stumble him. A few slices of meat are not worth it. 8 verse 12 It is not just a matter of sinning against a brother in Christ or of wounding his weak conscience. It constitutes sin against Christ himself. Whatever we do to the least of his brethren, we do to him. What hurts one of the members of the body hurts the head as well. Vine points out that in dealing with each subject, The Apostle leads his readers to view it in the light of the atoning death of Christ. Barnes says, It is an appeal drawn from the deep and tender love, the sufferings, and the dying groans of the Son of God. Sin against Christ is what Godet calls the highest of crimes. Realizing this, we should be very careful to examine all our actions in the light of their effect on others, and to refrain from doing anything that would cause a brother to be offended. 8 verse 13 because it is sin against Christ to make one's brother stumble, Paul states that he will never again eat meat if in so doing he makes his brother stumble. The work of God in the life of another person is far more important than a tender roast. Although the subject of meats offered to idols is not a problem for most Christians today, the principles which the Spirit of God gives us in this section are of abiding value. There are many things today in the Christian life which, while not forbidden in the Word of God, would yet cause needless offense to weaker Christians. While we might have the right to participate in them, a greater right is to forego that right for the spiritual welfare of those we love in Christ, our fellow believers. At first glance, chapter 9 might seem to indicate a new subject. However, the question of meats offered to idols continues for two more chapters. Paul is merely turning aside here to give his own example of self-denial for the good of others. He was willing to forego his right to financial support as an apostle in accordance with the principle set forth in 8 verse 13. Thus, this chapter is closely linked with chapter 8.
0: Well, this ends another one of our podcasts. And uh, until next time, just remember, God is out here. And you can find out all about him in your Bibles. All you have to do is pick it up and read it. I have mine right here, and uh, God is in this Bible, so please read it. With that said, bye for now. Till next time.